0: Welcome to Of Slippers and Spindles. I am Drew.
1: And I am Cassie.
0: And Cassie, we said Happy New Year on the last podcast because for the listeners it was the New Year, but now it's the New Year for us too, so Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year. Happy 2021.
0: 2021. We made it. We did it. And uh, now here we are. <laughs> Do you have any New Indeed. Year's resolutions?
1: Um, kind of. I... okay tend to not make like dedicated New Year's resolutions because I feel like there's like a weird stigma attached to them. Mm. Um, But I do, I have my writing challenge that I've been doing for the past two years um, because I wanted to get into better writing habits. And so I talked a little bit about this last time. My goal in 2019 was just to write every day. My goal in 2020 was to write at least 100 words a day. And I met both of those goals, which is great. Um, And so this year I'm working on revising the draft of the novel that I spent the last two years writing. And so I've got like a weird combination of writing and revising goals. So my goal for this year is every day, either write 100 words or do at least, I think I said 20 minutes of re- revision of editing work. That's smart. Or or both, possibly. Or
0: both, yeah. It's a um, minimum. So we'll it's see. a minimum, right? It's not a- It's a minimum, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And then I started uh, using a habit tracker for the first time last year Ooh. Um, just to kind of keep track of uh, various things and activities. And so this year I'd like to use the information I collected last year to try and improve some mm. of the things that I don't do as frequently as I should. Like I started keeping track of have I had – 20 ounces of water at least to drink today and have i done the dishes at all today Um, (laughs) the dishes are are my least favorite (laughs) i know i hate them so much there are far too many squares from last year where the answer to did i do the dishes was no
0: but so i should oh do you not have a dishwasher
1: we don't
0: oh okay yeah that's way Uh, worse we've not
1: had a dishwasher since we moved back from virginia and it's the worst
0: Yeah, I I just throw everything in the dishwasher. So uh, that's been a lifesaver for me because I truly my least favorite chore. I know this is very fascinating information for the listeners, but I hate washing dishes.
1: When we lived in Virginia, my husband and I had a roommate because it was the only way that any of the three of us could afford to live in Virginia because it's very expensive to live down there. And um, she hated doing laundry, and she hated vacuuming. And she told me when we moved in, she said, "Listen, I will do all of the dishes and I will clean all of the bathrooms if you will oh, vacuum and do my laundry." That
0: is, and I was a like, "Worthwhile." Thing. I really
1: feel like I am getting the much better end of this deal.
0: Oh, yes, I agree. But
1: yes, okay, I will do your laundry once a week and vacuum occasionally in exchange for never having to clean my own bathroom. Wow. And uh, now that all of our listeners are aware that we are, in fact, just pretending to be adults.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) I I cannot deny. Let's jump
1: into this uh, real weird live-action Little Mermaid movie from Russia in the 1970s.
0: Yeah, this movie was interesting. We're talking about uh, Rusaloka is how it looks like it's spelled. They say Rusalka. Ru- oh, Rusalochka. Rusalochka
1: is... I looked it up. So Ooh. Rusalka is the Russian word for yes. mermaid. Yes. And so Rusalka is Little Mermaid. It's the diminutive form.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I, I figured that's what it was, but they never say the full word in the movie. They only say Rusalka. So, I, yeah. you know, I I figured that it was the diminutive version. But yes. So we are talking about this very interesting movie.
1: This movie was made in 1976, which, for those of you keeping track at home, was 45 years ago.
0: Mm -hmm. And it feels, I mean, honestly, it feels older than that because it's a Russian movie. It's not a Hollywood movie. So we're not looking at, like, you know, Star Wars effects. (laughs) The
1: biggest of budgets. Yeah. Yeah. I actually wrote. One of my first notes is, the special effects are not that bad for 76. And then immediately afterwards I wrote, I spoke too soon. Because what? that was when I got to the shipwreck where the dude leans out the window of the ship set piece and spreads his arms out so that a bucket full of water can be thrown on him. <laughs> and that's exactly what it looks like. He it was- preps for the water shot and then just a bucket full of water hits him in the face. <laughs>
0: It was it was the eyes for me. The the eyes that were like oh, isolated yeah. against the water. I didn't understand how I was supposed to understand how that was being conveyed. Are they just seeing giant eyes in the water? Are they seeing regular size eyes in the water? Like I just didn't understand right. what that effect was supposed to represent.
1: Um but they did they did a lot of establishing shots. Mm-hmm. To be like, hey, this is about mermaids, where they filmed it underwater yeah. with like, this dude with a big long beard that was floating in the water as yeah. so he was playing a violin underwater. It was strange, and, but like, I... mermaids swimming.
0: Yes, I liked these opening shots. Like... I did too. The setup, I was like, oh, this is actually, like, pretty cool.
1: And this, that was when I wrote, like, the special effects aren't that bad for 76, because... They have these, they have like a synchronized swimming team doing mm-hmm. like being the mermaids. And yes, you could very clearly tell that those were human legs just kind of wrapped in a sure. tight thing of fabric. Like you could see where the ankles were and the feet. Like, yeah. But that's hard to disguise. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. You know, no, I, I
0: still thought it was well done. Um,
1: and in terms of setting like tone and setting. Um, setting, setting, Mm -hmm. setting, (laughs) it it worked.
0: Yeah, yeah. And actually before this, we have our framing device. Yes. With a very creepy version of Hans Christian Andersen talking to this young girl in a carriage ride. And he didn't seem to actually know her. And he's like, oh, let me tell you this story. And um, I didn't like this.
1: I I didn't mind the idea behind it. Like, I I don't mind the notion of the movie version of this story being framed as we're on a long journey. And I'm going to tell you this story to keep you occupied. That's fine. But I did not understand the relationship between these two characters. Mm -mm. I did not understand what I was watching or what I was looking at.
0: And I don't think it was a language barrier thing either.
1: I don't think so.
0: Because... It, it just like the dialogue did not properly set up what was going on. I only knew it was supposed to be Hans Christian Andersen because of Wikipedia.
1: Yeah, I had no idea until you said that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's who it's supposed to be uh, according to Wikipedia. But, um, because
1: I was sitting there going, is it her father? Is it like some weird child bride situation? Like,
0: yeah, it it, it honestly feels like that.
1: It felt very, very strange. And that feeling doesn't entirely go away because the actors from the carriage become all of the characters in the story. And so the Hans Christian Andersen character, I guess, and the girl he's telling the story to become the Little Mermaid. And this new character named Sulpidius.
0: Sulpidius.
1: Have a similar kind of weird relationship through the whole story. So this was pervasive. This was through the whole thing.
0: I still don't know. Was he supposed to be in love with her? Does he just pity her? Like
1: is unclear. But anyway, once we get out of the carriage and we go into the story, Mm -hmm. we have absolutely no backstory given to the little mermaid at all. Uh, Aside from those establishing shots, we spend zero time under the ocean.
0: Yeah. Which,
1: I mean, it makes sense because I was was thinking about this, and I'm glad that we are looking at a live-action film version Mm -hmm. of this story because anytime you want to do live-action filming – Of The Little Mermaid in any capacity, you're going to hit this hurdle of how do you represent a story that is supposed to take place underwater?
0: Yeah. And I think that's part of why there are so few. I mean, that's why we chose this one because there's, there's not a lot.
1: No, and theater and musicals and ballet, you get a pass because...
0: Right. Audiences
1: coming into those places, they're not expecting things to be literal. They're not expecting like exact realistic representations. So you can put your actors on Heelys and you can hang a piece of blue fabric (laughs) from the fly gallery, and the audience will understand okay, anybody who's like gliding around the stage on roller skates or anybody who's under this swath of blue fabric, we're under the sea. They're underwater creatures. I get it. I accept it. We're fine. Yeah.
0: You have you have a suspension of disbelief in theater that you don't necessarily get in a movie unless you establish it somehow. Yeah. And that's really hard to do with uh with the little mermaid.
1: And so I was curious going into this, okay, how are they going to handle the underwater scenes? And the answer is by not doing any of them. Uh yeah, and- so
0: and we never, like, hear from The Little Mermaid. She we'll get is, to her character because she is, like, she's a nothing character, she's essentially. She's
1: a nothing.
0: And she, ugh. one of the major changes that this movie makes, and it's probably the biggest issue I have, is that they let her keep her voice. Yes. And, but they don't do anything with it. But that. they don't do like,
1: anything with it.
0: Like, if she's gonna talk, then why doesn't she tell the prince, "Oh, I was the one that saved you?
1: I have a note about that that says there's literally nothing stopping you
0: yeah from yeah and and, and and why don't we you know she has plenty of opportunity where we could get her backstory, right? She could talk to Sulpitius, she could talk to the witch and give us that exposition about her father and her sisters and why she wanted to come to the land so much, blah, blah, blah. We don't get any of that.
1: No. The first time we meet her is she's in the water, but she's above the water, um, head and shoulders, mm-hmm. uh, and her uh, her hair is not wet at all. Some nope. mermaid magic there. <laughs> um, and she's watching this celebration on the ship with a sparkler situation that frankly seems very dangerous. Yeah. Um <laughs>
0: With a wooden ship, yeah. With a
1: wooden ship as they're celebrating the prince's uh, birthday, presumably. She climbs the rigging on the outside of the ship somehow. And the prince sees her and she panics and like, lets go and falls back into the water. Mm -hmm. And then the sailors are convinced that they've seen a mermaid. And this version steers really hard into the siren mythology.
0: Yeah, mermaids are bad in this.
1: So anytime somebody thinks they see a mermaid, they're like yelling about it and everybody's like scrambling to get away. Block your eyes, you know, don't look at them. And it's very overt, like it's actually stated in the text and it's shown in this scene that the Little Mermaid and her sisters caused the ship to crash. Like they are the reason it wrecks. It's not a storm. It's them.
0: And of course, she rescues the prince. She grabs him and she swims to shore and... There's passersby, and so she hides again, and these passers by rescue the prince. They immediately recognize him, and th- they say, they're like, oh, that's Prince Antoine. He has a large inheritance coming f- for him from his aunt. Like, that's, they discuss that while he's laying there on the beach. Yeah. Without any help. I was watching that,
1: like, do you maybe want to go uh, do something, maybe? And then they do something by, like, draping him over the back of the princess's yeah. horse in a way that can't be healthy or comfortable for someone who just almost drowned. No,
0: no, no. <laughs> yeah. And so as he's, like, laying across his horse, he kind of, he wakes up for just a moment. He sees the princess whose horse he's on. And he says, you saved my life. And then passes out again.
1: Yeah. So he's taken back to this princess's castle. And the Little Mermaid like swims into this little inlet by the castle trying to follow him. And at one point she is seen by this rude knight who like throws flaming torches at her to chase her away. Yeah. Which is weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's like hiding in the canals of the palace. And this is when Sulpidius finds her. So she's been like attacked twice by rocks and torches and so now this character finds her and he shows her kindness and (laughs) she says if i don't see the prince i'm going to die and like it's not a magic situation like she's not in any kind of magic contract yet she just like is very dramatically saying yeah if i don't see him i'm gonna die
1: and at one point I got confused at this point because Sulpitius at one point he's asking her questions and she's not answering him. He goes, "Oh, I forgot you're not able to speak." And I was like, "Is that a thing? Like mermaids can't talk? Is that how we're doing, like the no voice thing?" But then he goes away and she like yells after him. She's like that, eh! and I'm like, "Okay, so you can talk."
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the rules are here. I
1: don't either. Like that is consistent through this movie. I don't understand the rules of the world, but. No, She says, if I don't see the prince, I'm going to die. And so Sulpitius's solution is, okay, I'm going to go find a witch who will turn you into a mm-hmm. human. I don't know why you're, this dude is doing that for a strange mermaid that he just met.
0: I I, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I honestly, I don't even know who Sulpidius is no. or what he is. You know, like, oh, actually, that's not true. I guess later they establish that he's a herald of King Arthur.
1: Well, but they don't because he lies to everybody about who he is. Every single time he talks to somebody, he's got a different story about who he is. And at one point, like he goes into the tavern and he's talking to the the woman who runs the tavern who ends up being the witch. And uh, she recognizes him and he's like, quiet, nobody knows who I am. And she's like, oh, you think nobody knows who you are, do you? And I'm like... Well, at no point in the show does anybody actually know who he is. So I guess, yeah. <laughs> so, yes. So it just feels like he <laughs> has some sort of rich, storied history that we're never told.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. This movie does not establish backstory for anyone. No. So uh, I couldn't tell but you.
1: But he he's determined to help the mermaid get transformed into a human.
0: Right, so he goes to this tavern and he's talking to the woman who runs the tavern and tells her everything and she just reveals that she happens to be a witch. And so he takes her to the mermaid and the witch, like, she comments on the mermaid's beautiful green hair and then she comments on her pretty voice and she says, Okay, this will be your payment, is I want your hair and I want your voice, but... Sulpitius talks her into letting her keep her voice. Yeah. So she's just going to take her hair as payment, which is a strange change to make. It is.
1: And if they'd done something with it?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Okay. But they didn't. But they didn't. Even though he says, if you take her voice, how will she tell the prince who she is? But then she never tells the prince who she is.
0: Right. Yeah. She may as well not have a voice because like she never yeah. says anything to anybody that progresses anything that <laughs> doesn't progress her, her intentions yeah, or the story or anything.
1: The most that she says is that she tells everybody that she is a mermaid. Despite the fact that it's clear that everybody is freaked out by mermaids and like every time she says she's a mermaid, they try to burn her at the stake. She keeps saying, yes, I'm a mermaid. He's right. That drunken conspiracy theorist is correct. I am, in fact, a mermaid. It's like, have a little bit of self-preservation. Maybe just a tad.
0: No, No, she she just openly tells everyone that she's a mermaid, except for the prince, who's the one person that that it would matter to.
1: Yeah. So the witch, you know, agrees to do this transformation for the hair. Um, she very clearly in this version names the price. So it's very clearly her deciding mm-hmm. this is what I want rather than the interpretation of the magic requires such and such a thing. Right. But right. before she does the transformation, Sulpidius stops her and goes, hey, remember that one thing? And the witch goes, ah, yes, if someone gives his life for you, you will never die. You will be eternal like a dream. And I go, oh, gosh, I wonder if that's going to be a plot point later.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and, uh, and also, if the prince marries someone else, she will die. Right. Yeah, so, so. Um, yeah, but the way to get out of that is for someone else to then give his life for her. Which is so contrived.
1: (laughs) It's so contrived. And it's like, does it have to be in the moment? Can anybody from this point on give his life for her? And she just like has that in reserve?
0: Again, unclear.
1: Yeah, unclear. So we go back to the palace. The girls from the beach, which turns out to be this princess and her three waiting women. They have told the prince a fictitious story of his rescue, where the princess dove into the sea to save him, and her horse was drowned, but she dragged him back to the beach, and at no point does the prince question that.
0: Uh, 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 I I have no comment.
1: Yeah. Um, And then, at about the halfway point of this movie, a lot of things happen very quickly.
0: (laughs) Well, the first thing that happens is that it becomes a musical.
1: (laughs) Yes, we start singing a song. Uh, it's the only song in the whole show.
0: So Pity like, he takes her to the village and is like, they're all singing about how, how beautiful life is for humans. And he's trying to show her the joy of life on land. And she ends this song by saying, but you're taking me to the prince, right? And he's like, clearly disappointed that like, she doesn't care anything about being a human and being on land and like experiencing This new life, all she cares about is getting to the prince.
1: Right. Yeah. And so then I made a list of everything that happens here in rapid succession because otherwise I was going to leave something out. So, Silpidius is trying to get her an audience with the prince. So he leaves her sitting on a bank and he tells her, Don't talk to anybody and don't answer any questions. The drunk conspiracy theorist shows up, looks at her, and goes, Are you a mermaid? And she says, yes, I am a mermaid. And he goes, I knew it. We're going to burn you at the stake. So he gets a mob together and they take her to the stake to be burned. So Silpiteous sees that it's happening. He runs on, convinces everybody that they're just actors. Yes. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. So funny. Oh, the mob loves her now. This is great. Good, fun entertainment. Then the rude dude, who is Sir Abelard. A knight, but I just have labeled him rude mm-hmm. dude through all of my notes.
0: I just called him. Yeah, I called him the knight.
1: He shows up but and yes, goes, "Rude no. dude is applicable." Yeah, no, I saw her in the bay. She's a mermaid. The mob immediately goes, mm-hmm. "Burn her at the stake." They're very, very willing to just believe what anybody shouts at them.
0: Literally, literally, <laughs> literally anybody say anything and they'll they'll turn on a dime. Also, they're wearing these bizarre masks yeah. that look like. Wallace and Gromit characters
1: yeah it was weird so
0: for no explained reason
1: so so Silpiteus is like okay crap I gotta save her again so he the prince and the princess have heard the commotion and they've peeked their heads out to see what's going on so he runs and grabs the prince and he's like you have to come see this wonderful thing I have to show you and he so so Silpiteus grabs the prince and he's like look at her she's not a mermaid she has legs you have to go save her so the prince comes in to vouch for the fact that she's not a mermaid. She's a human girl. She makes things worse by going, but I am a mermaid though. And Sir Abelard is like, I will fight you with this sword to prove that I'm telling the truth. So he and the prince have a sword fight. And then the princess walks in and she goes, this is silly. Just take her to the dungeon. And all of that happens in about the span of four minutes.
0: It's, yeah, it's really fast. And uh, I had to watch this segment twice, unfortunately, because I was just like getting whiplash of mm-hmm. the townspeople going back and forth. And the prince says this with no justification. And then the princess is like, just they were in the dungeon for no real reason. No like, reason. it's absurd. This all leads up to this ball that randomly happens and we see that the little mermaid is in the dungeon and the prince is talking to the princess and he has a line that made me...
1: Oh, I wrote it down too. (laughs) The,
0: The line is, this may not be exact, but I got pretty close. I've been searching for a woman worth living for since I was 15. Please don't disappoint me.
1: Uh, my subtitle said, I beg you, live up to my expectations.
0: Oh my gosh. Come on.
1: Yeah, dude. Like, what?
0: There's nothing at any point to endear you to any of the characters. Anybody. Like, they, any single they only, one of them. They only make you hate them.
1: Yes. So at this ball, when it's basically been like established that the princess is going to be marrying the prince. At this ball rude dude comes in with like this music box moving galaxy display and he's making a play for the princess and immediately after the princess said I've been searching my whole life for you please don't disappoint me and this new dude guy comes in and he's like hey I want to marry you she goes hmm let's have a tournament tomorrow and whoever wins will get to marry me.
0: It's so weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's so Every character is like, I can't even say impulsive. It's like there's no, there's no thoughts in their brains. Like, yeah. they're acting according to the story that this screenwriter wanted to tell. And there's no understandable motivation for anyone.
1: No. I Like, I have that note at one point, too. I am so unclear as to anyone's motivation. Like it took me a long time into the story to figure out if I was supposed to not like the princess.
0: Yes, yeah. Or if
1: I just hadn't seen enough to understand who she was.
0: The only character that I feel like at some point I understood was the prince. Because at some point he says... Like he's, he talks about like feeling obligated to the princess because she saved him. He feels like it's his duty to marry her.
1: Ugh, chivalric code.
0: Yes. Yeah. Which again, not a good reason, but at least like there was something that was like, okay, he feels some kind of guilt and obligation. And so that's kind of why he's sticking around. So that makes a little bit of sense, but. A very little very, Very little, and, and no one else has even that smidge of, yeah, you know, a characterization.
1: And so during all this, Sulpidius is trying to get the Little Mermaid out of the dungeon. And he says to her, he's like, hey, you should tell people this about yourself. And she's like, well, I can't, because that's not true. And I don't lie. Except that at no point are you telling the prince the truth about who you are or what you did, but... Her moral compass is a strange one. Um, And so instead, Sulpitius is like, fine, I'm going to let the rumor mill do this for me. So he pulls aside the ladies-in-waiting and tells them to tell the princess that the girl in the dungeon is actually a noble woman with a secret past that she doesn't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And then that gets blown massively out of proportion by the time it gets back to the princess. And so when the little mermaid comes up, Everybody's like, we won't ask you about your past because we know it hurts you to talk about it. But you will now be my best friend.
0: Yeah, because she was in the dungeon. But now that the princess has heard these rumors, she like sends for the the Little Mermaid. And then the Little Mermaid ends up dancing for everyone. And there are some weird cinematic choices here. They they put Mm -hmm. this like this three windowed frame on the screen. And the mermaid is dancing in the middle and then they have like random shots of the townspeople in the two side windows. And it is... It's a choice. It it is. uh, It's certainly a choice.
1: And during this dance, the ladies in waiting, one is dancing with the prince and one is dancing with the knight. And they're both telling the same thing to each man, which is... Mm -hmm. The princess is praying that you will win the tournament, and here she's she knows that God will let you be together, and here's a miniature portrait of her. Yes. So she's, like, playing both of them. At that point, I was firmly aware of whether or not I was supposed to like her, and the answer is no. No. Except that then in the very next scene, she is, like – she's kind of done what the prince from the story does, and she kind of has adopted the little mermaid as, like, her sweet little companion. Yes. and. She's talking to the little mermaid and she's like, I'm evil and manipulative and a gossip and I know it about myself. And I wish that I was different, but I'm not. It was a weird conversation.
0: I like it. I kind of understood. I kind of felt like this was like, I think we all kind of have moments where we're like, oh, I'm I'm a horrible person. You know, we all think of ourselves negatively sometimes and so I kind of thought that that's what they were going for, except that they also portray her as like a truly horrible person. Yeah. So like it's strange, you know, like bad guys, good bad guys don't think they're bad guys. Good bad guys think that they're in the right. And so that that's why I think this scene felt especially strange to me.
1: Yeah. And I have a note next. Literally nothing is stopping you, the Little Mermaid, from telling him the truth. Because she's very dismayed that they're going to get married. Um,
0: So now we have a scene where the witch sings a song about how she's tired of being a witch and she wants to be in love. So the witch like turns herself into a duchess and joins the court.
1: There was a troubling implication in that song that this little mermaid is not the first little fish person that the witch has done this for. There was definitely like a momentary little bit of a lyric that suggested that she's done this for others.
0: I, I did not catch that, but that doesn't surprise me. But but again, like the witch joins the court, but doesn't do anything there. Right. Like the nothing changes. She I don't know. It's just everyone just does things <laughs> and then they don't do things with the things that they have done.
1: <laughs> it honestly felt a little bit too true to life. Because, like, life doesn't have a plot. You just do things. And sometimes you do things that don't contribute to any sort of overarching story. And this felt like that.
0: But that's not how you tell a story. (laughs) That's not how you make a movie.
1: No, it's not. But at the the tournament the next day.
0: Okay. The tournament.
1: The Little Mermaid (laughs) realizes for the first time that this is like a fight to the death. Uh, Yes. And she's very (laughs) distraught by it. And at one point the princess consoling her goes, The thirteenth century we live in is a cruel one.
0: Yeah. It's
1: like thank you for that dating. They're
0: clearly trying to be funny. It's it's a it's like the joke from Disney Sleeping Beauty about, but father, we're living in the 14th century.
1: Or from ever after with uh Henry's Maybe You Can Talk Him into the 16th Century.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. These movies like making that joke. But when we first cut to the tournament there's like these men pretending to be horses, right? And they're doing this, this, yeah, they're doing this like choreographed dance. And Cassie, I thought that that was the joust oh, <laughs> when true. we first cut there because the effects had been so bad in the rest of this movie. I was like, oh, we, maybe we're they couldn't using real afford horses. horses. We're, we're, we're putting men in horse costumes and dancing, and this is the joust. Well, Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. This is like the entertainment before the joust. But I legitimately thought that that's what, what was happening.
1: Well, my next note is that's not how jousting works. Because when we do get to the joust... It's not how jousting works. It's like a sword fight with lances on horseback. Like that's how they're treating jousting. There are very specific rules for jousting. There's a very specific setup and this movie doesn't have any of it.
0: This is not it. No. Oh, but yes, they, they, they joust quote unquote joust and, uh.
1: And the prince unhorses the knight. Yeah. And when he flies off his horse, the prince finds his. Miniature portrait of the princess.
0: Yes, he finds the knight's portrait.
1: Realizes that she's given one to both of them and he's standing there looking heartbroken like, how could you betray me like this? When the knight gets up off the ground and stabs him in the back and kills him.
0: That happened.
1: The prince died.
0: The prince dies. Like he legitimately (laughs) dies. And they all kind of just leave. And
1: nobody cares.
0: No one cares. They all just like get up and go. And we see the mermaid like going to him in the middle of the field. They've all just left his body laying in the Like he's not
1: a prince. Yeah. And Sulpiteous is there. And we skipped over this brief moment the night before where Sulpiteous was having this like horrifying existential crisis of what have I done to this little mermaid? Because if the prince dies tomorrow, then she dies too. And if he... Survives and wins the princess, then she'll die. The movie is very inconsistent with what circumstances exactly will lead to the Little Mermaid's death, because they've said if the prince dies, she dies. Well, he died, she didn't. And then at one point, the witch says, "As soon as the prince is married, she will die." But she definitely,
0: yeah, she doesn't, doesn't doesn't die that very moment. Again, the rules are not well established.
1: But in this moment, Sulpidius goes and gets the witch Mm -hmm. and brings the witch to the prince and is like, hey, bring him back to life. And she just does it.
0: Yeah, there's no there's no payment required, right? Yeah.
1: Just because. Okay, I'll bring him back to life. First of all, um, I'm uncomfortable with the witch having that ability.
0: (laughs) I mean, she she has no limit to her power. Apparently not. uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird. What, what else is there to say? And and then my favorite moment of this whole movie is when the prince comes back to life. He doesn't even look at the mermaid. He looks at the witch and he looks at Silpiteus and he says, where am I? And then just staggers away. <laughs> he just leaves. Like, that's it. Mom. No one addresses him. No one says anything. Nope. No one explains. Nope. He just gets up and walks away. This movie does not treat its characters like human beings.
1: No. And so then we go to the princess who's in her chamber with her ladies-in-waiting. And right after Rude Knight stabbed the prince and killed him, he was like, Aha, I won the tournament. Now I get to marry you. And the princess does the one decent thing in the entire movie. And she goes, You think I would marry a backstabber? And like walks away. (laughs) So it's like her one redeeming moment. And in her chamber, her ladies in waiting are like, well, we need to send out all the minstrels and all the messengers and let everybody know that you wouldn't marry a backstabber and uh, get you some new, fresh young man in here to marry. Uh,
0: yeah, but but this doesn't go anywhere <laughs> because the prince then goes to the castle and the princess can conf- walks in. Yeah, yeah. The princess confesses that she gave her portrait to both. <laughs> Of the men.
1: Except that first he walks in and she goes, I've been on my knees all night praying for this moment. And he just looks at her and she takes a second and she goes, okay, fine. You're right. I haven't been praying. And yeah, I gave a miniature (laughs) to both of you. What are you going to do about it?
0: And like, he's clearly conflicted here. Okay. Like there's one moment of humanity because he he feels betrayed by her, obviously. But he also, like I said, this is the moment where he's... He feels he owes her he an angsty his life. walk on the beach. Yeah, yeah. And so, how does this conclude? He marries her.
1: Wouldn't it be great at this moment of like existential crisis if, I don't know, the witch or the little mermaid or Sulpidius took him aside and went, Hey, you know, she didn't actually save you.
0: There's no reason for him to not know this information. Exactly. There's but he, three characters who can all speak and all interact with the prince at different points. There's no reason for someone to never say, hey, this is what actually happened.
1: Nope. But nobody does. So he marries the princess. Yep. The witch is like, she's going to die as soon as he marries someone else. She doesn't. It's going to be at like sunrise. Yes. The witch is having some kind of like crisis of conscience and is running around to all the drunk party goers going don't you care that she's gonna die will no one give their life for her and all the drunk people are like yeah okay whatever
0: and and we keep cutting back to the mermaid and she's just like throughout the the celebration she's just standing there with like tear streaks on her face like it's just like the same but shot of her anything. that we keep coming back yeah, to she's the, just it's standing literally there literally the same shot yeah yeah
1: Just standing there. At one point she dances and it's like she's going to be happy for him no matter what.
0: Yes. Whatever.
1: And then just as like the procession is making its way, as the sun is coming up, this man in a mask runs up and draws a sword.
0: If you thought this movie This is my favorite part. If you thought this movie was weird so far, this is where it really jumps off the cliff. Yes. This man in in a Wallace and Gromit mask comes up and he says, I am the true Prince Antoine and this is an imposter. And they they sword fight in this weird like sped up. Like, why does it look like that?
1: And then the prince like grazes him with the sword a little bit and he grabs the sword and shoves it into his stomach. And collapses on the beach. And the prince runs forward and pulls the mask off. And it's Sulpidius. Nobody saw that coming. Yep. And he's like, she'll never be able to be in the same place with you again. But at least she'll be alive. He dies. The little mermaid disappears. Can never see the person she loves again. The prince is in a marriage to a woman he doesn't love or respect. And so somehow this movie ends sadder than Hans Christian Andersen's story and completely senselessly because none of this needed to happen.
0: I just don't understand any of the choices that were made in this movie. And when The Little Mermaid is disappearing like the prince keeps looking around and he he like sees her standing over here and she fades away and then he looks over there and she's there again but she fades away so it's like every time he looks he thinks he sees her and she disappears and then then we of course we end by going back to our framing device and our carriage and uh Hans Christian Andersen tells the girl who is the mermaid um that the mermaid now wanders the world bringing happiness to all who see her cool and that's the end of the movie.
1: So let me tell you what I think is going on here.
0: Okay. Please, please explain.
1: At its core, the story of the Little Mermaid is not terribly complex.
0: Okay. Right?
1: Like, it's not a complicated
0: story. Well, in terms especially of like, when you take out the entire first half. Yeah and you you are starting the story when she's meeting the prince like yeah the
1: the complexity of hans christian andersen's story is in its characters and what they hmm. want and their motivations and and how they make decisions for their future like that's where the story's complexity is in terms of like actual plot events there's not that much
0: yeah that's fair and
1: so if you because of legitimate, like, physical logistics and limitations, can't film anything under the water, Mm -hmm. and so you instead start the story when The Little Mermaid gets to land, you are not establishing any of the actual complexity that exists, and so if you want to make a full-length movie, and this isn't even a full-length movie, this movie is, like, 75 minutes long, Mm -hmm. you have to fill it with something. And so I think that they sat down and they're like, okay, we've got to fill 75 minutes of time. What can we do? Well, maybe there's somebody else who's vying for the princess's hand. And maybe there's this other character Mm. who helps the mermaid. And they just kept adding all of these things. But they never actually took the time to tie them together in a substantial way. And I think they could have.
0: Yeah, I I was just going to say, I... I honestly don't hate some of the elements here, like the the rude dude who's challenging the prince for the, the princess's hand. Like if you added that into a story of the Little Mermaid on its own, I don't hate it um, because I understand yeah. that we need to fill some time here. But they just don't do it in a compelling way because and it, it's really it's like you said, the, the complexity of the story is in these characters, which is actually kind of unusual for a fairy tale. Because Mm -hmm. fairy tales usually have stock characters, right? Um, Characters are flat. And Anderson gives us these great characters. And this movie flattens them back out and gives us nothing.
1: Yeah. And I think, honestly, The Little Mermaid is so disappointing in this version. Because every bit of agency that she has in her original story... Is taken from her and given to a male character in this one.
0: I was just going to say the the male characters are all named, and the only yeah. female characters who are named are like the two side handmaiden characters, the ladies in waiting. It that really bothers me.
1: It bothers me too because in my in my other podcast Shakespeare, um, we have a permanent talking point for every work of literature that we look at and mm-hmm. it is agency of women how is that represented and so when i'm thinking about this story in terms of agency of women in hans christian anderson's story the little mermaid has quite a lot of it because she yeah especially makes for the, fairy the decision tale to yeah to explore the human world she decides she wants to be transformed into a human she goes to the sea witch she makes the bargain she mm-hmm. seeks out the prince and in this movie, every single one of those decisions are given to Sulpidius. Yeah. He makes all of these choices for her. And that is literally... It's not just not giving agency to the female character. It's literally taking all of her original agency away from her. And making her, honestly, more voiceless than if she had lost her voice.
0: Yeah, uh, She also totally. barely
1: has any dialogue.
0: Yeah, that's... that. That's why I said she may as well not have her voice. she may as well not have kept her voice because she doesn't say anything worth saying, and like I said, there are elements of this version that I don't hate plot elements, so piteous is the one thing that I think really weakens the story, and i mm-hmm. i couldn't I couldn't pinpoint why, and I think you've pinpointed it. It's because he takes everything that the little mermaid had.
1: And then for him to come back in the end and be the one who saves her. Right. Like, honestly, that makes it worse for me. Yeah. Because part of the beauty for me of the original story is that her active choices to not harm the people around her and to love without condition and to let the person she loves go is what wins her, her reward from the air spirits in the end. Yeah, And in this one, she is just going to die and accept it. And then this man comes in and sacrifices himself for her
0: mm.
1: without giving her a choice in the matter. Like at no point does he say to her, Hey, would you rather die or would you rather be forced to wander the world forever? separated from the person that you actually love
0: it's not a great reward honestly
1: it's not
0: let's bring in our criteria as part of this discussion because i'm really interested to see how it holds up because i don't think it's going to do so well so um our first criteria point is we want an exploration of the human characters which in particular we're looking at the prince and the princess this movie doesn't really explore any of its characters
1: I feel like if you if you have the characters like listed on a poster board and then you write personality and character traits underneath, I feel like the princess has the longest list of those.
0: That's fair. That's but fair. But not
1: actually like put together to make a functioning human being.
0: But also I think the Little Mermaid has the shortest list. I couldn't tell you a single personality trait about the Little Mermaid except maybe like shy. So she's
1: got big eyes and a high squeaky voice.
0: Yeah, so I I it's hard for me to accept a more thoroughly fleshed out princess in the name Agreed. of losing any personality traits from the mermaid. Agreed. Yeah. Our second criteria then is the justification for the mermaid's transition. So we like that in the fairy tale it's all about you know, she wants an immortal soul. We don't want the mermaid to just be trying to get to the prince. This
1: Hey, guess what? <laughs> it's all she cares about.
0: It's all she like just honestly I know I know that it's a criticism of Disney's Little Mermaid that Ariel becomes all about wanting to get to Eric and you know, there's still the argument that at least she liked the human world before she saw Eric, right? This is so much worse than that. Like, it,
1: because we don't meet her at all until she meets the prince, and and so even, we have no idea.
0: I know we're under limitations because we can't film underwater. I get it, but we kept her voice for the entire movie and never learned anything about her life. Like, there was plenty of opportunity for her to have a conversation with any of these characters to give us a backstory, and we didn't get yeah. it. Yeah.
1: And to add to that, there's that whole song where Sulpitius is like showing her the wonders of the human world and she doesn't care. Yeah. Whereas if that happened with Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid, she'd be all about it. She'd be like going up to every stallkeeper and being like, what does this do? What does that do? Like she would absolutely adore getting to go through the marketplace and meet all these people. And this Little Mermaid is just like, nope, where's my prince?
0: Yeah. It makes me think of Rapunzel from Grounded. By Megan Morrison, the mm-hmm. the way that she experiences the world for the first time, I think it would be really fun to see The Little Mermaid experiencing the world for the Absolutely. first time in that way. And I don't think that's something that's often explored, especially in a film adaptation. So, um, yeah. Ooh, Cassie's thinking.
1: <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. Like, there's no redemption of this criteria point at all. Like, no. there's nothing. No. Like it did exactly what we said we didn't want.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Like it may be the worst offender of this criteria I've ever seen from a Little Mermaid adaptation. Yeah. Because again, usually at least, at least she has that interest in the human world before seeing the prince. Like the minimum, we usually have that and we don't have that here at all. Um, Our third criteria is the side characters of the sea witch and the princess you want them to not be villainized. I'm just interested in, in how we adapt them. What are your feelings here?
1: Well, I don't like it.
0: I know. I know. Like the the witch. But it's like
1: my my objections to it aren't even in line with what I said in the intro where I was like, don't mm. villainize them. Keep them complex and blah, blah, blah. Like and my objections to these two, like that barely even comes in to consideration because they're just so inconsistent
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and and the witch is whatever i don't feel like she was a villain i kind of almost liked her bit at the end her crisis of conscience where she was like doesn't anybody care that this is going to happen i wish it had been built into the story in mm-hmm. any way
0: yeah so that yeah. was
1: almost interesting but the way that they handled the princess i can't <sighs> uh,
0: my my feeling is that i don't understand any motivation first of all for any character in this movie but especially these two like the the princess she has no reason to hold this tournament like yeah
1: that i think that's my thing with her across the board she, There's no reason for her to be the way she is.
0: No, she she clearly wants to marry the prince because she's lied to him. She's manipulated his situation. Like, she's a pretty bad person. But like, yeah. everything she's she has done is kind of in the name of marrying the prince. And then Rude Dude shows up and there's no reason for her to now give this guy a chance. And it leads to the death of the person that she wanted to marry. Like the whole, my understanding of her intentions. So it just feels like uh, she just does things for the sake of the story.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I just feel like she's a plot device instead Mm. of a character. Yeah. And no, I don't like that characterization. No. Because it's not a characterization.
0: And even like, I think if they had... Gone full villain with the princess I could have been more invested I think that could have been interesting at least
1: yeah but they just kind of went halfway with both of them
0: yeah yeah
1: and that's almost worse to me than making them full-on villains so there look first one out the gate you got me to compromise on my criteria drew I'd rather they have been full villains than what we got in this version
0: I feel so vindicated you should and then our last criteria, we want to check in on the ending message. Is it the same Ugh. as Anderson's or is it changed? And if it's changed, is it changed with the purpose? This really fumbled in the end game here. Is that is that a correct sports metaphor?
1: Nobody gets a happy ending.
0: No, it's, it's miserable for everyone and not in like an interesting way. It like... It, it almost no. presents it as if this is a happy ending, but it's not.
1: But Sulpitius so is dead. The little mermaid is forced to wander the world forever. She'll never die. I want to, like, remind you of that.
0: Is that what she wants? Is she okay with that? Like, we don't
1: know. I, yeah.
0: Yeah, we don't know.
1: No clue. Um, The prince and the princess are trapped in a loveless marriage. Mm-hmm. And they know that it's a loveless marriage. On both ends. The witch is just kind of like disappointed with everybody. Like the only guy who wins in the end is like drunk conspiracy theorist, dude.
0: <laughs> I guess.
1: Because he got to drink at the wedding celebration. So.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't know what this message is trying to be. I don't know what this movie is trying to say.
1: Like, I feel like they tried to have that. Message of, like, being self-sacrificing, like, sacrificing yourself for someone else's happiness with Sulpitius, I feel like they tried to keep that in there. Hmm. But not well. And not effectively.
0: No. Sulpitius is... He is damaging to this story, in my opinion. Yes. He, no, 100%. So, that was Russelochka.
1: It was a wild ride. I
0: would like to apologize to anyone who really loves this movie. Because that was a rough one for us, but you know what? We we always have a rough one. It seems we we, we always yeah, and, and and it's fun. It's fun to talk about the rough ones. In truth, it like, is, and
1: I I liked.
0: Yeah, what's something? What's something we liked in this movie? Yeah,
1: I did like the establishing underwater shots, like the way that they Absolutely. introduced us to the underwater kingdom. I liked that. And and I thought it was really interesting because what I'm always going to look for in a live action filmed version is how do you handle that? I'm actually mm-hmm. really interested to see how Disney handles it yeah. when they do their live action Little Mermaid when we've got the technology we have now. Like, what is it going to look like? How is it going to do? But I think for a movie that was made 45 years ago with not a blockbuster budget, I think that in terms of like establishing the underwater kingdom, they made smart choices and did a good job. I just wish that it had had any impact on anything else that happened.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to me that the shots that would theoretically be the most challenging are the things that we feel were accomplished the best in this movie. I also think that the music is really good. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of this minor ethereal mermaid music playing throughout the movie which i i thought that was really cool but i don't have a whole lot of other good things to say regarding any script choices plot choices character choices it just feels really thrown together i agree well i guess that wraps up this discussion next week we are going to be talking about mermaid by carolyn turgeon
1: it is a young adult, borderline adult literary adaptation, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully you get a chance to kind of read along with us on that. If you did watch Rusa Lodzka and have thoughts and opinions and disagree with us on any points we'd love to hear from you Uh, you can get in contact with us at our facebook page out of slippers and spindles through our instagram out of slippers and spindles or by dropping us an email out of slippers and spindles at gmail.com
0: that's right that's right and uh i i think that's that's it this week i feel like we've wrapped this one up really quickly but thank you all so much for listening
1: and we will see you next week bye bye friends